This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Rachel. I love rainy days. I struggle, but I'm learning to truly relax and restore. I'm currently watching all of the Marvel series movies in order. Hi, I'm Renee, and I love Stevie Nicks, which is not so secret. English is my second language, and I am a recovering bossy boots. Hi, I'm Janelle. My dad used to bribe me to play Mario Kart with him. I dyed my dog's hair pink and my right eye keeps twitching. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. Um, Danielle, have you heard of the, there's a documentary. I'm gonna, I'll look it up while we're talking. It's about creative grooming. Ooh, no. You need to watch it. It's like the most wholesome, amazing, weird movie that you've ever seen in your entire life. I'll have to check it out. I basically use the leftover deep conditioner hair dye that I was using on my hair and when I stopped it's just like it's like a vegan hair dye and I was just like I'm gonna put this on my dog so this was recent it well it was actually when I was in Moab I did it in the motel okay. six bathroom because <laughs> I was like I'll get pink hair dye all over the motel six it's fine so. your dog looked pink when you were out there but I wasn't sure if it was the yeah, like ground my mom was all cute she's like did he get sunburned <laughs> like, no mom <laughs> yeah. oh it's so funny um Renny, your voice is like just so soothing when you were recording I was just like oh I forgot how soothing your voice was <laughs> oh thank you do you yeah. get that do you get that a lot um recently so it's mm-hmm. like something has shifted in a space-time continuum yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I've never heard it before, and now I hear it all the time. Interesting. Do you think yeah. it's that other people are receiving you differently, or do you think you've had a change? Well, I think it's both. Yeah. Right? I think my energy has shifted considerably, and that people are perceiving me differently, like experiencing me differently. So I don't think my voice actually changed. I think it's the energy. Yeah. Yeah, even the... I mean, I'm going to say confidence, but that's not, I don't think that's the word I really want to use, but I'm going to say it in your ability to just say your intro at a pace that worked for you was like, I love that reminder when I hear people taking their time and not having to rush through because it's a good reminder for me because I'm constantly moving very, very fast. (laughs) Really is. Yeah. Take what you need. I had one of those moments last night. I was like, this is not going to necessarily be perceived well by everyone else around me, but I need something and I'm just going to do it for me and I'm going to be proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who else is going to do it for you? Exactly. That's what I said. That's exactly what I said too. I was like, you know what? You're being an advocate for yourself. Like I I was actually really proud of myself. At first I was anxious and that's also a shift uh, in energy I've been experiencing too. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually really proud of myself. I am yeah. I am learning about the how you take care of yourself. Or like nobody can take care of my needs except for me. I am learning that lesson hard right now. And um, it's a beautiful one, but I am very sneaky 
and I can find reasons as to why I feel like somebody else could take care of them for me. And so, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, that's, that's a lesson I've been learning too. On both sides of the coin, I'm not used to letting people take care of me. And yet I have done a lot of work to try to change people around me, which is incredibly unwholesome. Yep. I mean, I'll, I'll take a number on that club too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's that I like to think it's a generative dichotomy, but I don't think so. Mm. I just think it's like past trauma that I'm unlearning. Yeah. Yeah. It's been cool for me though. The more I share, um, like I never would have expected that about you and it does like, I am actually finding more people that are willing to say like, same, you know, in my own way, um, which is giving me the courage to be able to, to own it while I'm in that space in between like the awareness of it and then actually being able to live it out. My ability to just own it without beating myself up and share it with the people around me. It's like giving me a little bit of grace, giving myself a little bit of grace anyways. Um, I feel like most people are meeting me there. Like you, Janelle, you've actually been really a good supporter of me in this. (laughs) Janelle loves the compliments. I do. That's because I'm also practicing it for myself. I think I very specifically said last night too, I'm like, not that like I kind of just don't care if people think it's weird that I like did what I needed to do I'm like, I just kind of don't and if they don't want to be in my life because I've taken care of me then so be it that yeah. feels really fucking powerful totally yeah. and and truth yeah right? there's like there's such a calmness and like when you just know you're doing what's best for you and I haven't experienced that a lot until recently like the more I'm growing I'm just like no this is okay yeah yeah I mean for me it's been about being authentic not as a fuck you at somebody because I've certainly done that and you know starting with like my teenage years on up there was a lot of that authenticity like as a weapon And it's been about just standing in that authenticity. And what has been miraculous is that a lot of people have fallen away and others have come. And they are like literally like miracles. Like I didn't know people like this existed in the world. I mean, I understood they existed for you all, right? I got that because I'm a coach and I advocate for people. And of course you can have the life you want, but I was like, okay, maybe not me. And that's so not true. I needed to hear all of that. And, and like we each have to, the other thing I'm realizing and that is like taking your, taking somebody's word for it is very different than allowing yourself to experience it for yourself. Yeah, because it's that, for me, it's that embodied knowing, which is very different. And the past couple of years, I've really had this embodied knowing. And all of a sudden, I have this tribe of like rogues and pirates and rock stars and, you know, and they're the most amazing humans. And they want me for me, not in spite of me, which is a whole new experience at least in in my world. I'm so glad you're here. This is for many reasons. And it's like further proving to myself that 
my inclination to reach out was spot on. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Where are you right now, Renee? I am in San Francisco for the okay. next week. Okay. Yeah. So you move in a week. I move in a week. I'm moving to Connecticut. So week. crazy. Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, I, I'm on a little road trip right now and I'm going to the East Coast and I've just never been like up to those. Anyway, <laughs> like very yeah. fascinated. Yeah. Well, me too, because I've never been there. Is uh, San Francisco been home base for a long time or? For 20 years. Okay. Nice. I grew up in LA and before that, um, outside of Tel Aviv. Yeah. Fun change. Yes, it's time. It's time. And it was, um, it's, I've been mindful and conscious of it as opposed to like pulling a geographic. Mm -hmm. What's pulling a geographic? Uh, Well, you're like, fuck it, I'm out. (laughs) Oops. Janelle's like, in the car. That's what I do (laughs) here. Rock like, on. Okay. I don't know if I've heard that term with a definition, but I like it. Like, that's full geographic. <laughs> yeah, well, rock Let's on, go. you know, whatever works. <laughs> right? But I, you know, I, and I'm so conscious I've been in one place for a long time. That's really cool. 20 years, yeah, with um, a now ex husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the wheel turns. Yeah, the wheel yeah. turns. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to introduce you, Runny, because oh, yeah. I have lots of other questions and I'm going to forget otherwise. When I was a kid, nothing made me more sad than not being invited to a birthday party or a friend's house. So we are inviting you to The Collective. The Collective is our monthly gathering. It happens the first Thursday of every month, this month being November 5th at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And we are talking about Enneagram. Even if you haven't heard of it before, we will explain it when you get there. And we do even have a podcast episode that you can listen to. We'll link it in the show notes where you can do a little pre-work if you're interested. Otherwise, we'll see y'all there. <clears throat> so welcome, Renit. Uh, I am so excited because Renit is one of my coaching mentors. And I've been going through a certification this year that... Um, was a little bit more of a traditional approach to coaching than what my previous certification was. And I was really nervous about it until I saw that you were one of the, one of the instructors and, um, having run meets really what I will call spiritual intuitive, like to me that you hit me right in the heart there. And so I knew if run is a part of this, like that combination, is going to be really cool for me to learn from. And I was right. So um, not only did I get to experience her as an instructor through Human Potential Institute, I also got to work with her as my coach mentor as I am working on my um, ICF ACC accreditation, which is so exciting. I know. It's like, I'm so proud. Um, Anyways, this is not about me. So um, Renit Lemon is, like I said, one of my coach mentors. She is a life coach. She's also a rune reader. She's a board director, a mother, and a dynamic life co-creator, and ultimately a sounding board, which I loved that description. I pulled it from your website. She's a former teacher, a cacao scholar, a breathwork practitioner, and a dream work alchemist through 
one of the brands that she has created called Sun and Moon and so much more. I mean, truly you showed up at a time in my life of transition that I didn't really see coming and have been an, an, what do I want to say? It's like an anchor that I feel like I've known you or something. It was just this like really familiar anchor that I'd never really experienced with someone that I've never actually met before in person. <laughs> so welcome Ranit to the True North Collective. Welcome. Mm -hmm. Hey, thank you. I mean, it's such an honor to be here, you know, um, <laughs> as a teacher, you're not supposed to have favorites. So shh. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and there's always, you know, people who stand out. And you definitely stood out, Rachel, for your heartfulness. You. And just, you know, I mean, I have tears in my eyes, right? Because it's an honor to walk the path with somebody who is so heartful and so connected. And I don't think there's a greater, I am emotional about this. I don't think there's a greater honor in the world than to be able to partner with somebody, you know, on their, their path and their journey. And so it's, you know, it's all, it's been my pleasure. It's been well, my pleasure. And it's my life purpose. Yeah. Well, you stand in it very, very well. And thank you. Like, thank you for allowing me to be that reflection, that mirror, that, that part of you. It's, it's truly an honor. Love, love, love. Love, 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 love. So tell us a little bit about how you got here um, to today <laughs> in whatever capacity you want. I know that's it's probably a very big story. So go wherever you want, knowing that we're going to have a juicy conversation. I stole your word, juicy conversation about dreams and authenticity. But first, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Who am I? Mm, isn't that a big question? A powerful <laughs> question. Why, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Right. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I'll just tell you that I'm a child of immigrants, that um, my mother was a single mom. She raised me in Hollywood. And I was raised by two very strong women, my, my mother and my aunt, her sister. And that I have been <laughs> hearing things and seeing things and diving deep into things since I was too young to know that other people didn't. And yeah, you want to ask something, Rachel? Yeah. Did you ever talk about it? In my family, we talked about it. Right. So my mother read tea leaves and she read coffee grounds, which is kind of a Middle Eastern thing to do. Right. And um, my aunt, who was brilliant, was also just as likely to call and say, I dreamt about you and what's happening. Right. And so this was just regular conversation. So I grew up in that kind of space um, with an overlay of you better be brilliant and you better be beautiful and you better be all these other things. And so, you know, it sounds lovely and halcyon and there were pieces that weren't so lovely and halcyon about that whole situation. And yeah, I'm a lifelong teacher. My very first job was teaching at my Hebrew school when I was 12 and I've been teaching ever since. Right, whether as a TA or a substitute or university lecturer or a literacy specialist or, you know, and mentoring and teaching teachers. And so I've been doing that forever. And I always thought that was my life purpose, that teaching was it. And it's not. 
I thought it was because I confused my delivery system with my life purpose. Right? I didn't, I'm not meant to be a teacher. I meant to love people back to themselves. And the way I do it sometimes is I'm a teacher. Right, so I got a little confused about that, but that brought me, you know, to the the Bay Area where I met my um, now ex in graduate school. We came to the Bay Area, and I was blessed to have a lovely son who is now seventeen, which rocks my world completely, and is applying to colleges and already got into the University of Montana. So high five for him. Yeah, we're excited about that. Um, in environmental science. So we're excited about that. And what happened for me is that um, I started, um, I don't know what details to give, like I just started becoming, right? I, I left parts of myself along the way, fully intending to come back. And so that's what really got me to where I'm at now, which is this brand new space of taking off and, and changing things. And I can see that you want to speak, Rachel. Tell me. I see the mute you. unmute thing is not serving me right now. <laughs> Just say unmuted. You're too aware. You're too aware. <laughs> Nobody else, when we have guests, I ever can tell. Um, what I wanted to speak to was the, you said there's parts of yourself that you left. Um, yeah. And my experience lately has been definitely a shedding, but also a bringing um bringing in parts of myself that weren't there so it's interesting to hear you speak to the becoming process um of the letting go like i definitely can relate to that but my becoming lately has been almost like gathering back parts of myself that i kind of just like kicked away or something yeah i mean i my experience of it is is similar that there's been a lot of shedding but it's almost been like a shedding of things that were in the way of who I've always essentially been. Yeah. And I felt I couldn't be, or I'll be, I always think of it as like, you know, you tell a toddler to sit still, you'll be right back. And then like, I didn't come back. It's horrifying. And so that's what it felt like is I left, I left things on the side of the road, fully intending to come back. And then 20 years went by. Yes. Okay, yes, I think we actually are saying the exact same thing, just in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's it's different metaphors, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and so that's what brought me, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff, details around exactly what brought me, the mechanics of it, like my accidental vision quest and, and things like, like that. And um, there were people along the way who also called me forth, which is a, a gift. Right. And, and then I started um, becoming and was terrified and didn't know what was happening exactly. No. Yeah. And, and I still, of course, don't know what's happening exactly because who knows what's happening exactly. You know, Rich. just clearer. What was the quote that you remembered that I said, Janelle? Oh, earlier today when we were talking? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been trying to remember. It was, you and I were just having those big conversations about life and the conclusion ended up being that maybe the point of life is that there isn't a point. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's gonna do it for me. Like, I'm good with this one. <laughs> Cause then 
if there's no point, then cool. Like I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Right. It's very freeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It takes a lot of pressure off mm -hmm. of knowing you can't really get it wrong then. In the yeah. Theory. Yeah. Well, maybe that is the point is to become and to experience and to be. And what if that is the point? When you say become, I have a thought of what that means in my head, but I would like to hear your definition of that. Sure. Um, for me, it's when I'm talking about being in my becoming, it's like an accelerated evolutionary process for me, right? To use a, a tarot kind of metaphor. It's like, you know, the wheel of fortune always turns, but sometimes it spins. And so for me, being in a becoming period is where it's spinning. It's accelerated. Does that speak to yeah. your question? Yeah, it does. Thank you. It's mm -hmm. good visual. What was, what was your definition? I'd say similar. Um, and, and it's very heavily associated right now for me with, I'm reading Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Uh -huh. Michelle Obama. So <laughs> I feel like, yeah, which is a fantastic book. Um, so I would say similar, just the, the journey of, navigating life and coming back to self and how do we get how we got into where we are today and I would extend it because I'm not fully done with the book but it's mostly her looking into her past of how she became Michelle Obama but um, I would say the ongoing process of how things unfold and moments that seemed small or maybe didn't seem like they had meaning many years later become you see why they happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hindsight's good for that. Exactly. Right. Always. <laughs> yeah. The looking at the pattern and all of that. Yeah. I'm fascinated by those moments. Those like pivotal moments that change everything. And yet you don't know it when it's happening necessarily. Yeah, I am too. It's, um, I don't know. I always play with the idea of fate or if everything is just sort of random and like things just work out and you go with the flow but the yeah the smallest little things that dramatically change your trajectory and in, in your life and it's it just like almost a second like you know just a couple seconds that if they didn't happen I mean it's what isn't it the butterfly effect like that entire movie is on that concept which I love that movie um yeah, it's, it's just wild. Like sometimes it's hard to say like, what if this didn't happen? Like, is there some sort of greater plan that we don't know about? Or is it really truly just the beauty and random acts? I don't know. Is there a moment lately, Janelle, where you felt that, that like tension point? I feel like there's just so many. I mean, in 2020, there's like, I mean, there's so many things that could have gone so yeah. many ways and just because things are changing so rapidly right now and I just posted I think today like basically a week of my life feels like what I would normally experience in a month and it's just all these little things like people I'm meeting things that are happening that you know if you asked me at the beginning of the year I was going to be living in my apartment in San Luis Obispo at least until January 2020 and now I'm on a road trip. I'm like, I have a whole different group of people around me. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just those little moments that seem to, like I'm, I'm accepting them and stepping up to them and like letting them unfold 
while still remembering, you know, what I, I want to get out of life, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's kind of wild. Like there's so many ways that this year could have gone and yet it just seems to be working out just how it needs to. Mm -hmm. There's uh, two books that I read this year, like back to back. The first one was um, Women Who Run With Wolves. And um, the second one was Braving the Wilderness. And both of those speak to some aspect of the wildness that exists within us. And the coming for me this year has been connecting to that essence. Like, you know, I think in Braving the Wilderness, she says, she actually says, um, becoming the wilderness. And that really like hit me of like, <clears throat> I think sometimes becoming has been so form-based where it was like, here's this person that I want to become. And so then I like have this target and I pull back the arrow. I make sure the arrows the one that I need and I know how to do it and I'm strong enough and all this stuff to get into the bullseye. And then I'm like, oh shit, I still have a lot of life left. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> and being able to, to become my innate wildness, wilderness is like, whoo, so much can happen with that. So I've been playing with that a little bit. Well, that's super yummy, right? <laughs> this whole idea of the, the wilderness and the wildness. And I mean, it reminds me, of course, of you know where I study at the Animus Institute and um, the idea of connecting with wild nature, which is really how we find, you know, descend to soul which is, you know, soul in the sense of our unique purpose, our uniqueness in this world, as opposed to spirit, which is like universal, how we're all connected. You know, this idea of we come to ourselves in nature. Mm. Yeah, it's really profound. That's yeah. basically my 2020. <laughs> I mean, a lot of time in nature, and I've definitely yeah. learned a lot about myself, because it is, there's I don't know. There's just some sort of beauty and grounding. And I, I'm, I don't consider myself, I'm, I, well, I'm not religious, I would say, but we talk a lot about the difference between, or have talked about the difference between religion and spirituality. And um, I think, yeah, those moments in nature by yourself are some of the few where I truly, truly feel like the most pure, I guess, the purest version of myself. I love the way you say that such a beautiful phrase right the purest version mm. yeah yeah Renny, yeah. can you can right. you talk <laughs> go ahead no i just wandered off i started dreaming from you know, <laughs> I, was like, I was like oh yeah <laughs> um so two questions one i want to hear you spoke about the spirit versus I'm calling it animus. And so I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit more. Um, I have felt a difference between the two, but I didn't realize it until those words came out of your mouth. And then I was like, oh yeah. Because a lot of times when people go really to this spiritual place, I f there feels like a loss for me of like, so I'm like, no, I'm supposed to, I'm like, you know how some people will be like, I know that I'm, in the spiritual communities, you can start to have conversations of like, I feel like, you know, 
I am actually from this other realm or I have connections to these other places. I'm not supposed to be here. Like this feels weird to be here and I don't ever feel that way. And so, um, yeah, I'd love to just hear you talk about those two things again. Yeah. I'm geeking out a little bit about this conversation because it's so fabulous. <laughs> I'm excited now. Um, yeah, for me, and I, you know, I get this from Bill Plotkin, who's one of my teachers, right? But and Mary Marsden. Um, for me, you know, spirit is where we're all connected. We're all the same. We're all one. Um, you know, whether you believe in a higher power or not, doesn't matter, but it's that realm of similarity, right? And then soul is my uniqueness in this world. It's my unique expression. And so they're connected, obviously, but they're very different to me. And it is my belief, I guess, my perspective, that I'm here to express my soul. On, on this incarnation. So I'm here to be who I uniquely am in this yeah. world while we're all connected. Do you think that that's an earthbound expression? Ooh, say more about <laughs> that phrase. <laughs> I don't really totally know what I'm asking, but the question came up, so I'm asking it. Um, do you think that the soul expression, and obviously we can't totally know, but what does your intuition say about you know, if we were in a different galaxy or on a different planet, like, would it be the same? I don't know. Yeah, that's such a good question. Because I do have a belief that kind of the earth dreams through us. Right, that there's a piece of um, this earth, the actual land that we're on, that we're kind of a part of. So I think if I were on Mars or another planet, I, I would maybe have a different soul expression. I love that. I really love that. That's really Yeah, because, like, I do, I mean, I think part of the reason why being in nature is so palpable is because it is, like, a living, breathing thing. And to deny that we, in fact, are co-creating, you know, uh, is seems crazy to me. Or that we, in fact, are not co-creating seems crazy to me, so. Yeah, I mean, what if... Let's play, you know, let's play a game, right? What if the earth dreams through us, literally? What if we are, our soul and what we feel and what we intuit is actually connected to this earth? And, and we are, or I am, meant to express my soul and show up in my unique way because that is what this earth requires of me. I love it. Me too. It kind of reminds me, actually, this is sort of random, but I went on a Tinder date with a guy. Ooh. Hold on. Yeah, so this doesn't sound related, but it is, I swear. Um, and we were talking about spirituality and he had said, and I was like, this is so beautiful. He, he said like, whenever he does his version of praying, and I don't think he was really religious either, but spiritual, he's like, I envision these words that I have that they go through the ground and they go through the trees and the tree system and all of the planets or not the planets plants and maybe planets but plants are are connected and they're carrying my message through and out to other people and I was just like yeah 
<laughs> this is beautiful. And I, I mean, I love that concept and I don't know. I never heard anyone say anything like that. And I was just like, I, I just think that's so beautiful. And I would like, I want to believe that that is possible and that is a part of it. I have a, there's a sound shaman that I've been mentoring with here and she believes that the trees are, and because of the root structure specifically, um, they are our biggest messengers, them and with the wind. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was, um, I was facilitating a retreat. Um, the Elohi retreat up in uh, Georgia, beautiful place. If you've never visited, it's a good place to visit amazing humans too, who own it. And we were doing uh, an exercise for the coaches who were there and the people who were there. And I love it when I'm facilitating something and then it, it happens to me too, right? And so we were facilitating this being in nature and speaking to trees and to different parts of nature until they interrupted you and then seeing what, what they had to say. And it was, it was uh, an amazing experience. Everybody got interrupted, which was lovely in whatever way that was, you know, whether it was actually external or internal interruption, doesn't matter, right? Because it's all a spectrum, it's all one and the same. Whether it was your imagination or not, doesn't matter because the imaginal is part of everything. And people were, got wisdom from speaking in nature. It was a beautiful experience. It happened to me too, right? I mean, I was wandering around on a road and I clearly heard, you can step off the road now, you're already there. I was like, okay, I, oh, thank you. I like that my, my nature voice is bossy too, which is great. I love it. I've had similar experiences. Rachel knows this, but there's a place, um, I was living in San Luis Obispo, California, um, and Montaña de Oro is out there. And that was like, I would just go there and walk on the beaches. Generally, there's no one there. And I would, I would get so much clarity. I mean, anytime I was there and a lot of it was, it was audible. And so I knew if I needed clarity on something a lot of times, not every time, but majority of the time I could go there, walk on that beach and I would, get my answer and it's one of the I mean I've had that experience but never so consistently as I did in that space um, it's pretty I mean it's pretty powerful <laughs> yeah does that happen to you often does your intuition show up as audio I would say now that I'm more in tune with myself than I have historically been it's it's starting to and, and it's interesting for me because sometimes it's in nature and a lot of times it's almost like I hear people's voices that I've actually heard before, but like they come up in those moments, just kind of what seems out of the blue. Um, but all of a sudden it'll be, I don't know, someone in a video or someone I met in real life and their voice will just pop up out of nowhere. And it's something that they said that connects to a question I'm asking. Um, so that started to happen for me but I wouldn't say historically <laughs> it has until probably this year. That's very cool. Cause that's a Claire, right? It's Claire audience. Yeah. We've talked about that a little bit on the podcast. Um, so it's something I would like to dabble in more because I've definitely 
suppressed my own intuition and voice many, many times. But yet, if I look back, like I, I do think I am quite intuitive in many ways, but I have to, to tap into it, obviously. But it's easy not to. You know, I just want to acknowledge you because the last time we had the clear conversation, you were totally not, you were just like, what? So and our, well, okay. I was like, what are Claire's? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had to explain it to me before I had to turn the words, but <laughs> yeah, there's definitely 2020 has been about what we're almost nine months in. I feel like five years of growth in nine months. And it's been just really cool to watch you take each step in your own way, in a way that feels good for you. So I just, I really want to acknowledge that in you and also thank you for being that modeling for me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. So Ranit, to switch gears a little bit, when did you start to feel like you had permission to explore the things that you were seeing and experiencing? Like at what point did that start to become like a thing that you were exploring? Well, I did it as a child. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think if there was a time before. I just remember always doing it on some level. And then I remember hiding it because other people didn't hear things. And I was like, oh, hmm, okay. <laughs> so when people didn't hear things or they didn't have conversations around the dinner table, around dreams, or, you know, it wasn't okay to call somebody and say, I just had an intuitive feeling about you. What's happening? Are you mm -hmm. okay? Right? That was weird. And so there was this a little bit of my going underground with that, especially as I kind of turned up the volume on cognition right on intellect and there was this piece of i had to be brilliant because my aunt it was brilliant hands down was one of the first unit managers at abc tv female you know was um used to be a professor right and so there was that piece and i didn't know how to hold both like how to have my brain working and then also have my intuition. They felt a little mutually exclusive. So I would kind of toggle back and forth. You know, I kind of be a brilliant asshole and then I'd be this loving witchy person and then go back and forth kind of like, you know, a little Sybil like that. Um, and it just, I mean, I was listening to you, Janelle, and you were saying, you know, you kind of disconnected from your intuition a little bit and, I tried, but it comes through, doesn't it? Like it pops up. You can't quite stamp it out completely. I mean, what do you think about that? I would say it's pretty accurate. I got pretty good at not being in touch myself. But I mean, it was always still probably there, but um, definitely, you know, no sleep, not taking care of yourself, burnout. I mean, any of that, you're, you're just in survival. You're like, what voices? I don't even know. That could be a real person. That could be me. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, for me, um, it was a lot of drugs and alcohol that I used to self-medicate around all of that. And then the tension of holding all of that. And um, also, we, I grew up in poverty. And so I was, you know, taking care of my mother who wasn't functioning very well. 
And so there was just a lot to manage. And so, you know, drugs and alcohol really worked till they kicked my ass, but, you know, um, and that's what happened for me. And so I was attempting to push everything down so that I could just kind of get through and do what I needed to do and get through college and all of that stuff and take care of my mom while she was alive. So it was, there was that piece that where I left it and it, it just, but it kept coming back. Thank God is right. It kept coming back and it would pop up in places and people would know, I mean, I've always read tarot cards and runes, which are Nordic uh, divination stones. And I've done that since I was in high school. And, you know, in my twenties, I had a dream salon where people would come and they would sit at my kitchen table in West Hollywood and we would, they would share their dreams. And, you know, at that point I was interpreting, which I don't do anymore. And now I partner in inquiry, right? Cause I'm more mature, but then, you know, I was interpreting dreams and I was reading palms and doing all of that stuff, you know, in my house and people knew it. But so I think there was this real um, struggle for me there of how to be like one whole human who did all of these things. How did you start to be able to, like as it was surfacing, how did you start to be able to integrate it? Yeah, that's such a good question because it wasn't, it wasn't very welcome in my um, in-laws, with my in-laws. Right. And so um, it was almost I was in that like, fuck you approach of authenticity for a while. Um, and then I it's really very recent, Rachel. I'm going to say it's like three years, four years where I am fully integrating all of this, like where something changed. I could no longer not be me. It became um, like a crisis. I could no longer not be me. It was impossible to pretend that this wasn't true. Um, I couldn't hold it together, that persona, that day suit that we zip up, right? To go out in the world, I couldn't hold it together anymore. Like it just was in tatters. And so I had to integrate all of it. And I got sick. I got physically sick too right, which any biohackers listening will recognize as a marker for change, right? I got very sick and I had to figure out like, okay, what am I gonna do here? And then I had that accidental vision quest. So on that same retreat where the trees spoke, I um, had food poisoning before I got to the retreat. So all of a sudden I'm leaving a retreat and I'm not eating and I'm in nature and I'm doing all this evocative work with other people. And the next thing you know, I'm seeing visions. And there were two people there from the Animus Institute, which is how I got hooked up with them, Julian and Laura. And they pulled me aside. These are the angels. They pulled me aside separately to say, you know what? You're an underworld guide. And I'm sorry, because that's not an easy path. And you need to come and study with us because we can see it. And that, I didn't know what they were talking about at the time, but that was one of those pivot points to have people from outside of me 
seeing and recognizing and acknowledging what was happening for me and that all this intuition and all this stuff was coming up and they could see it. That was huge. And so that was the pivot point for me, the kind of descent to soul. So not really accidental vision quest. I mean, accidental in that I didn't plan it, but clearly meant to be. Yeah. Can you elaborate on what an underworld kite is? I'm probably the novice in the group. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to. Um, how can I put it simply? An underworld guide is somebody who helps you or guides you, walks with you in those unseen, invisible places. So it can be dreams, it can be intuition, it can be spirits, it can be divination, ancestor work, you know, any of those things. And so things that are palpable and affect us, but are invisible often. And a lot of people like to pretend they don't exist. Okay, thank you. That was yeah. not what I thought it was. So thank you. <laughs> Ooh, what did you think? I don't know. I was thinking like underworld, like hell. And I was like, it's just, uh, I mean, I'm all in go into ghosts and stuff. So I'm like, is this like a demonic thing? <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, I'm also equally as interested in what you said, but I was like, let's just clarify it because my brain is <laughs> yeah. going somewhere else. Very yeah. cool. So I'm like, I'm super fascinated. And Rachel, I, if you need more follow-up, just interrupt me before I ask this question um, to talk about the, the dream work. And like, what is, I mean, I like, I, I feel like this is also new to me. So I don't even have like very good pointed questions other than to be like, like introduce us to what, or at least introduce me <laughs> to what this means or like what it looks like for the person coming in that has no experience in dream interpretation. Yeah, it's a great question. That's even the right word. Yeah, no, it, it's fine. I mean, that's kind of what people call it colloquially is dream interpretation. Right. And, and I don't interpret dreams. And what it looks like is, I mean, there's, first of all, a perspective that every dream we have is meaningful. Right. Especially those ones that you want to go, that was just like a silly dream. Or that was, you know, I just watched a horror movie last night and then that happened in my dream. And that means nothing. Like those are the ones that dream workers try not to like salivate over because those really mean something. The one that you don't want to look at. Right. And so dream work is based on the idea that we're always getting information and and we could all sit and dicker about where the information comes from. Right. And, and it doesn't matter whether we believe it's our subconscious or we believe it's from some divine source or we believe, you know, something else. Right. It doesn't matter. The point is that it's meaningful. And I just say it comes from the dream maker, which is just my shortcut around it. I, I don't know where it comes from. And then we, we start to collect data around what dreams we have. You know, Rachel knows this part about, you know, we ask the dream maker before we go to bed to help us remember our dreams. And then in the morning we write down or whenever we wake up the keywords of our dreams. And the most important part is that we let the dream keep dreaming, which means we sit, as coaches would say, in inquiry with the dream. I don't sit there and go, oh, I dreamt about my mom. That's what that meant. Closed. Now the dream is over. I've interpreted it and it's dead now, right? There's no energy left. 
Instead, I just revisit the dream during the day to see what bubbles up for me. And there are layers of meaning that come up. And, and we do this as a practice. It's a, just part of a reflective practice. And you can sit with somebody and go and do dream work, which is where you take somebody into the dream in present tense, as if it's a movie and it's happening right now. And that person might ask you some questions, uh, powerful questions, as coaches say, and um, might have some intuitive hits or not. Um, there's no part of, I know what your symbol means, because I don't know what your symbol means. You know what your symbol means, right? So the sweet, like Jungian dream dictionaries are not something, I mean, they're fun, but it's not something that I use. And And we just mine it for wisdom and information. So that's kind of a nutshell around dream work. Did I, did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. How, this is probably going to be, there's a lot of different options, but how often do you feel like dreams are literal versus abstract? Yeah, I, I feel like you read my mind actually just now. Great. <laughs> yeah. Because I was thinking, oh, should I go into the types of dreams? Nah, I won't do that unless they ask. And look at that. <laughs> Taking a really quick break to let you know that the True North Collective is on YouTube. How exciting. We have been starting to use video on these podcasts. So if you're more of a visual learner, make sure to check us out on YouTube. We will link it in the show notes. And you can actually watch our Zoom calls as well as listen to the audio. All right, let's jump back in. Yeah, so I think there's different types of dreams, or I feel there's different types of dreams. I, they feel different, at least to me, as I experience them. I think there are some dreams that are the dream makers trying to give me information, and it's like that game of telephone. You know, it gets a little warped along the way, and so it's metaphor and symbol. Right? I think some dreams are actual, like, prescient dreams, like we see things before they happen, and those feel different to me. Um, I think there's some dreams that might be visitations, whether it's an ancestor or whatever you believe it is, but some sort of spirit that's coming in that way. And then I have a couple of times had a dream where I have co-dreamed with somebody else the same dream, which is wild. And I try to make this happen and it's not happening. So I don't know how to make it happen. But it's happened twice, and those I call dream walking, because you're dream walking together, and that's you know where you don't prime it, but somebody else says, you know, I had this dream about you, and they describe the dream, and it's exactly the dream that you had, at the, you know, exactly the same. So that's kind of what I got about that. What's kind of crazy is that the dream walking might happen more often than we realize, but I don't take, I don't really talk about my dreams unless they're really fucking weird. Like mm -hmm. the time that I was take, like I saw a girl biting chunks out of her left arm. I sat with that one for a while. It was very yeah. informative. I remember that dream. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> but it, it, was, came... <laughs> so it was terrifying for me and you just described it to me. I didn't dream it. <laughs> but it, I mean, yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. And there were so many layers to it that just like you said, I, I didn't try to, I mean, at first I was just like, 
what the actual fuck? Like, I've never had a dream that terrifying before in my entire life where it was so real. And then what she did after was just like horrific. And like, once I got it out, I just kind of, I actually didn't know what to do with it. And so I, I think that act of just letting it exist on its own layers started to, or, or information started to come through over the next couple of weeks that was really profound in terms of how I grew up and um, coping mechanisms, like generational um, familial coping mechanisms and things like that. So it was, it was, that was actually a really pivotal moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying not to like jump into your I know, totally. But, yeah. <laughs> Self-management is the key. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I, there are dreams that are pivotal, right? And it doesn't mean we haven't dreamt that same message before. Because right? my, my experience, at least for me, is that the dream maker isn't trying to give me this, like the girl biting her arm right or you know whatever symbol it's that the dream maker wants me to experience and know something and is attempting to populate my dream in such a way that i will experience and know this thing right and so it doesn't mean i haven't dreamt it before it's just that for, it finally lands right finally hits how do you think dreams connect to being your true self uh yeah, I think they're necessary. Right. Um, the more I pay attention to my dreams, the more I express my authenticity. Right. The more I know about myself, I'm in relationship with myself through dreams. And yes, meditation's beautiful, and we should do that. You know. <laughs> There's a lot of things that help us. And yet to ignore dreams is to ignore so much information. I mean, I don't know how we could get a whole picture of ourselves without it. It almost reminds me as I learned about embodiment as a resource to my own self, a, a wisdom source. I was like, holy shit, I've been working with literally 20% of my system. And it kind of reminds me of that, of like, oh, there's this whole other arena that I never considered tapping for information before. Yeah, it is like that. Well, yeah. as you, I say, as you say that too, I mean, this might be obvious, but I'm putting it together. Like, the, you know, the stat where they say what you spend, isn't it almost like a third of your life asleep? Yes. And so you said that and I was like, oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like even if you just look at how much time in a day you spend sleeping and it's not wasted time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I just read a New York Times article that somebody helpfully forwarded to me about how they've done a study on dreams because, you know, especially in COVID, people are having um, really colorful dreams, vivid dreams, and people are remembering dreams that don't usually remember them. And so this New York Times article came to the conclusion that dreams mean nothing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that is so fascinating to me. That, you know, there's a level of, um, I don't know if it's denial or arrogance or what it was, but just this whole thing, like there's this whole thing that's going on. It means nothing. It's random. 
I think denial. That's my vote because, I mean, even just looking at the amount of unexplainable things, there's a similar quote that I'm going to totally butcher, but it's like 95% of the stuff that's happening, we actually have no idea how it's happening or what's actually going on. And even the most woke, genius people that have ever existed don't like you're never going to get to that place where you have all the answers. And even if you have your answers, it's through your own lens. So it's like, I don't know, just the idea that we maybe ego too, because yeah, the idea that we think we could know enough to not be curious anymore to consider, it's just crazy to me. Like what, I don't want to live in that world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, it's that word ego that you just said, Rachel, right? Because in dreams, we talk about the ego because the ego's job is to keep us the same, to keep us static. And so often, you know, they'll wake up and there'll be a part of me that, that's like, okay, well, in the dream, I knew this was wrong. hundred percent, I knew it was wrong. And so that's a message. And it's like, well, is it? Because maybe it's the dream ego that's coming in there and trying to keep me from changing, which is its job. And so the very thing I know in the dream might actually be the opposite. Am I thinking about that deeply? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask both of you, do you think that dreams are connected to intuition and if yes how yeah yeah i feel like i i feel like i should go first because you're more the expert than i am (laughs) and yeah i know totally 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 um okay ask your question again janelle i said do you believe that dreams and intuition are connected and if answer is yes how okay with probably not saying the right words, yes, I do think that they are connected, Um, absolutely. And whether it's whatever conscious, sub, un, non, whatever it is, because I've heard a whole bunch of different ones lately and I get them all confused. Um, I, I, and maybe just in my own language, I feel like they are almost like an expression of what I'm maybe not willing to look at is what I would think like, but then again, I think with the, that's why maybe the different dreams the, that Renit was talking about earlier, that actually rings really true because it could also be just reinforcing something that I already know that that isn't necessarily hidden, but it's just like trying to bring it to the forefront a little bit more or trying to really just be like, don't look away from this. Um, so I would say yes, yes. Hmm. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I think it's all on a spectrum. Intuition, embodiment, all the clairs, dreams, um, imagination, what we call deep imagination. So kind of a waking dream, a waking imagination. I think they're all the same thing. I even think it's the same as listening to the trees as we were talking about, you know, right? And, and I think it's all the same thing. 
and that we're just experiencing it differently. It's as if these messages, this whole thing is there all the time. And these are just the ways that I can plug into it, just being a human girl, you know, and that's, you know, that's my, my limitation in this body. And I don't, I don't see a difference among them. Like, I don't make a, a demarcation of like, that's a dream. So that's more important than this imaginal piece that happened today. I think they're all the same. It almost is like trying to prove whether my religion is more right than your religion. That's what it feels like. Like, yeah. it's just, I'm just using these words because, and this structure, because it resonates with me. But like, if we go to the essence of what we're all trying to say, yeah, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, I feel like, um, so I used to, you know, work in academe, used to be at the university. And there were a lot of discussions around the table around like the definition and the exact thing and what is it, where does it come from exactly and who said that. And there was a part where I was really good at it and I really disliked who I was while I was doing it. And I've decided that that does not matter to me anymore. Like where it comes from or those like demarcations or any of that. That's why when people say, do you think it's God? Do you think it's angels? Do you think it's your soul? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and when, and I'll speak from I, when I go to that place of trying to sort through it or trying trying to explain, explain the unexplainable. I am now so disconnected from the experience and my experience of it, that I, it actually just shuts me down from being able to experience it. And so that's what I'm playing with recognizing when my words to explain something have, are having a massive diminishing returns for me and the experience as a whole. Yes because so much of our experience has no words, right? And all of us have talked about that being in nature and that, that ineffable something that sometimes resolves into words, which is great because that's how our brain can interpret. So that's lovely, right? That's helpful. And it's not always that, right? Sometimes it's a feeling or a knowing or a sensation and there aren't words. And we're just kind of achingly moving towards that without really knowing what we're doing. That's why I loved dancing. Yeah. I, I have, um, I'm really glad that we're talking today um, because I've been working with a therapist to recognize that I'm like in an, pretty much my baseline is activated. So based on my own childhood traumas and experiences, I never really realized it i'm a very high functioning survival motor and so i can easily tell myself that i'm relaxing right now and it looks really chill and i'm doing chill things and i'm enjoying the sunset but um and i'm making a joke about this because that's the that's kind of where i'm at with it but it is very serious and i'm um like my assignment this week was just to be able to go for a walk without thinking planning processing meditating like there always is like a production as or a productive aspect to what i'm doing and i've found and even in learning how to truly relax and how to get out of that sympathetic response it is almost um traumatic for my body like my body's actually not used to it so i have 
like my therapist has been like, you, you go slow. Like we're taking baby steps here. Anyways, the whole point that I'm bringing this up is I started thinking about just how much I am constantly reflecting or taking in or processing or unpacking or, and that even in a dream space, like when does it become an activated dream space versus an actual time for me to restore? And so this morning on my terrible walk, because I, it's, I really struggled. Like I had to like hit my legs. I was like, we are just walking. We're just walking. We're just walking. <laughs> um, but I, and that, that's where I thought of it. I was like, I can't even dream. Like I'm just, and so, and now we're having this conversation, which I, I did not connect that dot. But it's nice to be able to, and I'm sitting in that space of what does relaxation, what is relaxation for me um, in, in not just the cognitive sense. And, and I'm, I'm just curious what comes up for you as I say that in relation to dreams. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that. I mean, first of all, in all sisterhood, I'm like recovering from hypervigilance from my own trauma. And it's, I mean, it's been years now since I've been hypervigilant. I'm still a little vigilant, but I'm not hypervigilant. So, you know, growth, progress. Yeah, with dreams. I mean, it, you know, people always ask me about lucid dreaming and I'm like, God, that's so much effort and control. And it, to me, I mean, please, everyone out there listening, go do your lucid dreaming if it serves you. I mean, have at it, tell me how it goes, I'm fascinated. And for me, it's a form of that hypervigilance. It's like, I can't even let go enough to have a message come to me. I have to orchestrate that too. So I don't do lucid dreaming. I never try lucid dreaming because I'm attempting to step back from control, not control more. Yeah, and, and your earlier call out of like, you wake up, you write down the three keywords, you move on is like, yep, got it. Whereas for me, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm now gonna journal, what are the insights? Let's connect these dots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I do, you know, I have like a, a I, I have a pretty elaborate morning ritual. However, I'm not, I'm not doing a lot of cognition which serves me, which is great because, you know, my brain is a bully sometimes. Yeah. Wants to think a lot, stamp out all the lovely, intuitive, numinous breadcrumbs. And, yeah, so. me too. And I found that, I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Showering every day is a new thing for me. And it is the, one of the best things I can do. And so I too, I used to be a very rebellious against routines because I didn't want anyone to... <laughs> troll me or tell me what to do and it really it worked until it didn't work and then my life was chaotic like the spontaneity was chaotic and I couldn't find any sort of stableness in it well, I could but it was very sporadic and being able to put in place sometimes cognitive rituals felt better to me than routine rituals um, has is giving me just that consistency to and and hearing you speak I'm like oh yeah eventually I could wean off it needing to be cognitive rituals and actually which I think in some ways they already are kind of that way I just my brain is 
highly activated. Like the poor thing has literally is probably like 300 years old because you just have overused it so much. So. Yeah. Well, and there are seasons for me. I mean, my practices change. Over time, I hold everything really lightly. So they change and they grow. And, you know, people say, you know, you got to do this every day. I'm like, mm, maybe, you know, as long as I'm breathing. That's kind of what I want to do every day. And besides that, you know, I've been doing some sort of form of prayer and meditation for over 30 years, every day. It just does not look at all like it did 30 years ago. Right? It's very different now. Now it involves moons and, you know, candles and walking and chanting and all kinds of stuff like that. And who knows whether it'll be tomorrow or next year or, you know, it's always changing. Where do you get your inspiration for that then? Is that a part of your intuition? It's just like you, like this is it today or do you get it from outside yourself? It's a great question. I, I think it's both, right? I really trust that the information I need is being brought to me and it often shows up like from, from you, Janelle, or you, Rachel, right? You'll say something and I'll go, oh, right? And it'll just land. And that will be information for me. So it doesn't have to come, you know, from a tree. It can come from a human. So it's like that. And sometimes things just fall away. They don't feel right anymore. And so I'm not somebody, you know, I have a pirate heart like Rachel. I'm not somebody who persists in doing something because that's what you should do. You know, I just let it fall away. And something else will come. And it always has. There's always something else, right? And I read a lot and facilitate a lot and hang out with beautiful people like you. And so I learn a lot. Yeah, I, I do play with that. It's, there's just so much information out there. And so talking about cognitive overload, it's just like trusting. I trust has been a huge word for me this year. Um, but it's like, you can always reach for more, but when is what you have right now enough to act? And I feel like the answer is always, but you know, you have, you always have enough to act if, cause that's just the step you're on, but it's hard to tell your brain that. <laughs> yeah. I just keep thinking for me, at least it's things that are aligned with my own cycle as a woman. So my moon cycles and also nature cycles and, you know, anything that increases love and compassion in this world. And so if there's any practice that doesn't do some of that, then it's out. Like that, connecting back to values too, who you want to be, what you care yeah. about. Yeah, and who you are. True, yeah, who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Janelle, I want to hear your dream. I know we're not going to have time to do much with it, but you were like, I got a doozy. And so I just no, want to hear it. Has, like, I almost, I've been debating and I'm like, I don't even know if I want to say it because I, mean, <laughs> I will, I will say it, but it's just so messed up. The past two nights in a row, I've been dreaming that my parents have died. Mm. So like, I'm sure there's a ton to unpack there, but it happened like, the first night, like two nights ago. And then I was like, both my parents and the last night I had a dream that my dad died. So then you said like the different types of dreams and I'm like, <laughs> well, what does it feel like now when you just utter it? It feels terrible. <laughs> it feels terrible to utter it. I'm like, I don't want to put that into existence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that your belief that if you say it, it will happen? 
No, but I also feel like I, I'm semi, <laughs> don't even want to risk it. <laughs> Let's not jinx it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, if my grandmother were here, she'd spit twice over her shoulder. Exactly, maybe right. I should do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's what she'd do. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I don't know what that dream means for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I do know that I have had dreams that are prescient. And so I'm, my first call on something like that is always like calling the person. I know. That's, I, I've been thinking about this entire time. I like texted my dad earlier and I was like, I really need to call them after this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because like I just had a dream about somebody where the symbol was she was cutting a measuring tape, but like on a spool, like a ribbon, mm -hmm. but she was cutting a measuring tape. And I was like, okay, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> what is this thing? And I thought, okay. And I sat with it and I sat with it and I was eating my lunch. And then all of a sudden it was like the bottom dropped out of me. Cause all of a sudden I went, oh, it's like the fates. Like when the fates cut the thread of somebody's life. And then I was like, okay, I gotta call this person. I gotta figure this out. This, no, mm -mm, something's not right. And I just knew it at that moment. It doesn't mean she's gonna die or maybe it does, but it meant something. Something is awry, for sure. And so that, that's what I got. I'm like, hmm, I had these two dreams, talking to someone who supports people dreams. <laughs> yeah. Keep it all posted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and may it not be that, may it just be, you know, a tragic symbol of something very different. Mm -hmm. We hope. Yeah, and even though we're not dream interpreters, I'm just gonna offer up that our relationship to death in the Western world is very literal and there can be many, many forms of death that exist beyond just the life stops, life ceases. So that's what came up for me. That's well, true. like the death card in tarot. Mm -hmm does not mean dying. Yeah. What does it mean? It means the death of something, like a termination. Mm -hmm. It can mean, you know, like when you get the tower card in tarot too, which is a tower on fire with people screaming and falling from the tower. And people are like, oh my God, what is that? And it's like a uh, total revolution, whether you want it or not, babe. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's a symbol too. That actually is really interesting just in in general, and it's a good point, Rachel. So one, thank you, because you're making me feel a little bit better. <laughs> and two, um, we talked about this, but 2020, I don't know if it's just like everything that's happening or what, but I see dead birds everywhere. And I like looked up <laughs> the symbolism of that. And it is like, you know, it could be a death in the family or it's, they, I think it like said, you know, it's the end of pain and, and suffering. And it is interesting because I feel like that has definitely been a theme in 2020 of just, I basically let go of everything. Like there has been a lot of death, death, I'm quoting for people I can't see, um, death and grieving and letting go of, I mean, even self, like who I was, the things that I thought 2020 were in a whole, and I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Um, yeah. So it could, as we talk through it, it could be associated with that. Because even my relationship with my parents has changed a lot this year. And just it could be the, the evolution of 
how our relationship was to this new relationship that I have with them. Yeah, very much so. Right, the death of an old way of being. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is true. Because actually, well, we don't really like, well, we don't need to get too deep into it. But I also hadn't seen my parents for, gosh, like eight months, specifically with COVID, because I was in California and they were in Wisconsin. And I finally just got to see him again. And it is like, I've changed so much. So like that changes our, our dynamic and yeah. you know, the, the boundaries we have in our life and how we communicate and all these different things. So that is probably, I'll just interpret it for myself. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Could be associated with that. It could be. I mean, and more to come, right? Because every dream has layers. True. I really hope I don't have that dream again tonight. <laughs> yeah. Heard. Yeah. Well, you know, I have had words with my dream maker before of like, don't do it to me again. <laughs> Two is Please. enough. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Heard you loud and clear. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Renee, before we ask our final two questions, um, do you, how could people do tarot or rune readings with you? Oh, or dream work or. Yeah. I mean, I specifically want like you to me? pull some cards for me right now. <laughs> so I'm like, well, let's get on, get on the books. So. Yeah. <laughs> they can just email me at, okay. you know, Renee Lamont. Okay. And do you do, is it like, do you have sessions for those? Yeah, where you actually like talk through it? I do. You would recognize it more as tarot coaching, Rachel. Okay, got it. But yeah, but I, you know, we, we have a question and we do a spread and then we coach our way through it yeah. and see what's available. And we might pull in some dreams if it's appropriate. Yeah, and for you, sure. And you still do runes as well? I haven't done them for a while, but I'm happy to do them. I'm looking to the side because they live right next to my desk. Mm, cool. and I always have my tarot cards in front of me because I pull yeah. them for every client, but shh, I don't share them all the time. <laughs> did you pull one for this conversation? I did. I pulled the Queen of Pentacles. What does that mean? Which is a beautiful card. Mm. Right. Which is queen is great since there's the three of us queens who are here. Right. And it's a it's a level of mastery over the material world, which is such an interesting thing because we're talking about dreams. Mm -hmm. Right. So I when I pulled it, I was like, oh, yeah, because there's no difference because dreams are the material world. Mm. Right? Yeah, that's so that's cool. what I got when I pulled it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. You do that. I, I feel like there's something in my mind that's like, hold on, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> basically the shit's real right? I know, I know <laughs> I like get it and I'm like wait breathe that in for a second yeah and like I love that each of us have an interpretation and even just the collective conversation to your point um, for me the material world is very much the uh, hypervigilance um, so yeah it's poignant yeah Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. All right. Ask the question, Janelle. All right. Jenny, how do you live your true north in one word? Heart. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm always blown away that, what, how many episodes have we done, Janelle? Like 
Like we're almost like at 60 now. Yeah. We're cooking. Wow. And every, we, I don't think we've had a duplicate once for that question. Wow. I don't think so. I don't think we have. If we have, it's, it's been so rare. Yeah. We it's should actually, I would love to go back and make like a, I don't know, a word chart. Yeah, we of should. All of the answers to that question. Yeah, we should. Um, okay. So Renit, if people want to work with you in your varying, varying modalities, and brilliance, how can they do that? It's the best way to reach you. Yeah, well, they can email me at renitlamone at gmail.com. They can follow me, Renit Lamone, on Instagram. My uh, website has my married name still because I haven't transferred it over. So renitlamonedrobe.com. Cool. And they could just, you know, any of the above, they can find me. There's aren't that many Renites. And certainly not a lot of Renee Lamone, so yeah, it's easy to find. Yeah, just yeah, you're, on the socials. Yeah. yeah, you're you're a fun person to follow on the socials because she shares her what her dream maker blurbs are. That's what I call them. And mm -hmm. so it's just like fun to just through you hear an abstraction and just kind of let that abstraction sit with you. So or with me, um, and then we'll put all of the links in the show notes. So I wrote a bit. Yes. Everyone will be able to find you. Um, and my suggestion when you visit her website is to explore because there's layers to it. And as you explore, find the stuff that's calling to you and then reach out and tell her that that's what you want. And I'm sure she'll work with you. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. I'm always excited, you know, and self-design ceremony and ritual and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're just, this is, been so like soul giving um, for me. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to be with us. Yes, very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. What a delicious conversation. You two mm -hmm. are super young. Thank you. <laughs> I, I love your words. <laughs> I know, right? This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.